Hey gang, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company. A podcast about music and Web3 and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm a Keegan Voice. Today I spoke with Nick Marich. Nick is a seasoned entrepreneur with over a decade of experience in building and growing businesses across the music, media, and tech spaces. He cut his teeth in music by building and growing Songlink, which is a smart link tool for artists, and he stayed in the industry because of the artist relationships he built along the way. He then helped expand and deepen the community surrounding music NFT platform Mint Songs before taking over growth at Arpeggi Labs, which offers a suite of Web3-powered creation tools. We chatted about his journey and the insights that he has made along the way, a little bit about baseball, and where uh, life might take him from here. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Here we go. Hey, Nick, it's great to have you here. Hey, it's great to be here. With all of these conversations, I'd like to start at the beginning and just get a sense of who you are, where you're from, and you know when your relationship with music started. Sure. Uh, I'm Nick Marich. I'm uh, a middle child. I have an older sister and a younger brother. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Currently, that's where I live now. If I had to give a quick summary about myself, I've always just been a passionate person about the things that I love to do during that current time. (laughs) Um, I started building businesses uh, when I was about 12, 13 years old. Um, Starting with cutting grass to, uh, you know, shoveling snow to teaching baseball lessons. Was an avid, avid athlete. Um, playing baseball, basketball, pretty much my entire life. And I played college baseball. And I I bring up the athletic thing because while you're playing sports and you're on these long bus rides and you're going all over the country to play the thing you love, I always had headphones in and uh, always listened to music in the process of trying to be uh, just a better version of myself. And early on in Pittsburgh, um, you know, I'm the same, around the same age as Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa. I remember like my first time listening to music is one my mom loves to kill albums. So she'll just play the same album for ever uh, <laughs> until it's the thing that you're just like, get it out of my head. And my older cousin, I remember my first time interacting with music was in 1998. I believe it was the Mo Money, Mo Problems bass Puff Daddy music video that came out. And my cousin was just like, I just wanted to be like my cousin. He was like, you got to listen to this. Um, and I really just kind of followed him. And that's what opened up the door of me loving rap music. And I brought out Mac and Wiz because um, early in the 2000s, those were people that I saw performing at uh, local shows here in Pittsburgh um, and just fell in love with really hip hop, R&B. My dad was a big Motown guy. Uh, My grandmother used to always play um, Motown on our Italian pasta dinners on Sunday nights. And so thinking on the early ages of uh, myself and interacting with music, I never played an instrument. I 
I didn't feel connected enough to music to want to do something with it, but I, I was mm. just always listening to it, even even to today. Um, mm-hmm. In my first swing at a music company, we want to jump forward. Uh, was in 2016. Built a company called Songlink. Um, I was focused on building a lot of tech companies from 2011 to now, uh, but in 2016, built a little fun tool for people to be able to uh, share music um, with anybody, including their friends. Uh, you know, so if you use Spotify and I use Apple Music, you would go on to song.link and you can still do it today. Look up your favorite song, album, podcast, and it has a link with all of the streaming platforms and the YouTube video embedded into that link and you could share it with friends. Um, that took me down a road of, wow, the middle economy of music and like mm-hmm. independent artists are like entrepreneurs and there's so much of a gap in the space mm-hmm. of people making less than $10,000 and that top small percentage of people actually building a career around this mm-hmm. and was inspired to really jump into that head on. And that's what brought me into web three. And, uh, it's, it's what I'm focused and passionate about today. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I'm curious what, um, you know, cause you said that creating this tool, like creating song leak was, was kind of your, your introduction into, you know, the music industry in that world. I'm curious what, what the impetus, you know, behind the creation of that tool was in the first place. Yeah, so I was running a a website and I would say product design agency, brand agency out of Pittsburgh. I worked with a lot of startups that came out of Carnegie Mellon, ranging from consumer goods to podcasts, media companies to small businesses, Fortune 500 companies. Um, was really inspired to be a part of the startup ecosystem and moved out to Silicon Valley. During that time, I ran into, at my wife's actually Christmas party, ran into uh, her coworker's husband, who was like, yeah, I, I built this little tool. It allows people to look up uh, songs and albums on Spotify or Apple Music. and has this link and like, it was very much just something that he built at a hackathon to mm-hmm. pass um, his engineering class. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I was really good at at that time was going to companies and doing market research and giving them strategy on how to develop the brand and the business of whatever they were trying to work on. And so I saw this opportunity of smart linking tools of, I thought artists, and I, and I saw this all throughout socials that they were just sharing SoundCloud links, um, Spotify links, Apple links. And Linkfire at the time, I believe, was the only company among a few others. But this is before Linktree and some of the smart link aggregators that we see today. You had to pay a few hundred dollars uh, to use their services that had a smart link tool. But... They didn't give you that much. They give you like, you know, I think some some analytics, some data behind those links. And 
you know, for a few hundred dollars per month, I saw an opportunity, went back to him where I'm like, I think we could kind of sell this on the music side. Uh, something that started out as a little Slack app that people were, you know, backslash song link, type in any song. Many startups were just sharing this for fun at, at work at the time because the people that, you know, Kurt, who was my partner at the time, built this product, um, he, he really was just like, you know, maybe this is something we can go in on full time and I can bring on your agency. And so what became like a client of our agency side project of mine um, kind of blossomed from there. We would meet daily talking about this product. Um, we started doing some reach outs to independent artists, people that were just sharing links in their bios on Instagram and different socials starting there and like, Hey, I just saw you release the song. There's this product called song link has all the streaming platforms. Uh, feel free to use it. And just giving, giving this tool away that led us into uh, a few thousand artists per month that were using our product to, uh, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands in just a short amount of time, less than a year. Um, so I, I think the idea of, you know, the, you go back to the original question of like, what was the, the real motivation behind this is one, seeing the opportunity to work hands-on with the tech product that you immediately saw growth in, mm -hmm. um, to Kurt, my partner, who is the engineer, the, the original person that built this product, seeing how our skill sets work together and you know, when you launch a company and you've talked about working on multiple side projects, it's not just the idea, it's the people that you're building with. And I really believe in Kurt's ability to build things at a fast pace. Um, so we just had this like chemistry immediately. Um, you know, and this is somebody that like, I was a groomsman at his wedding and like, we're still really close today. Um, and so, you felt that chemistry immediately wanted to attack this problem seeing the opportunity in music tech and kind of at that time i was like entertainment tech like i've never kind of built something for this space mm -hmm. um those were all of the motivations for me to really jump in and and give it that full effort beyond just being a client uh, of our agency at the time yeah no, that's cool. Uh, I mean, so what was the next jump after, you know, after it was acquired? What, I mean, how did you get to Mint Songs? Like, how did you connect? There's, there's like, a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of time in between because it, we launched in 2015-16. We sell to Linktree in 2020, 2021. That was a long acquisition process. Mm. Um, you know, went from a few thousand monthly users to 22 million uh, active users in a course of four to five years. We didn't raise investment. We bootstrapped the entire company, Kurt and I sold to Linktree. Um, and at the time I was like, man, after this acquisition, really like music. I don't, I found a lot of success in music tech, but like, that's not my background. I think I'll pivot out and keep working with other tech companies that inspire me. So I joined a company called Copilot, which is a fitness app here in Pittsburgh. But let me back up. I 
after the acquisition, moved out of Silicon Valley, came back to Pittsburgh, wanted to be more in person with a company. And I saw a company come out of Carnegie Mellon. I was really inspired by the founder, the people that were building the product. So they raised some cash. They were looking for a VP of growth. Um, so there was a lot of alignment, joined the team for four months. And while I'm working uh, at the company, I just keep getting, um, you know, uh, DMs and emails from like artists that I worked with at Songlink. They're like, what are you doing? Like, why, why'd you leave the music industry? Like, hey, do you want to be my manager? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> and you, you, you know, you spend so much time building something, you don't realize the amount of relationships and the foundation that you built with all of these artists. Because I'm sure you understand this from an independent artist standpoint. You don't have a huge, some of these artists don't have a huge team. They don't have a manager, labels, all yeah. uh, content creator. So you, as a tech company that partners with these artists, you almost become this connection point for them. And, and in a way you really help them because I'm helping them with their releases. And I'm like, hey, do you want to add your ticket link or your tour link to your smart link. And like, what do you, what's your strategy around marketing? And you end up just diving deeper into how they are operating as an artist and realize, you know, you're an important piece of what they're trying to build. Um, and so that, that was something that drove me back into the industry. I really connected with Garrett but I chose co-pilot over men's songs and then came back four months later and I'm like, Garrett, what about that growth position? <laughs> I'm getting all of these um, just, you know, people that are within my network that are friends of mine now that mm -hmm. are saying like, when are you going to release something else in music? Or like, when, when are you going to work on something? And I didn't know much about Web3, blockchain, um, I just focused on how can you build revenue pipelines for artists, try to simplify everything. Who cares if I don't understand every moving part about the music industry, focus on what you're good at and join this company called Mint Songs because they're helping people release their music on chain that allows them not to chase a million monthly listeners, but maybe build up a few hundred bucks of revenue per month um, by releasing a music NFT. Mm -hmm. And so I was really inspired by the team. Eric Johnson was also on the team leading the artist strategy. He came from Spotify. Our head of product came from United Masters and Pandora. The two founders came from venture-backed um, startups that they were building. and. When I realized the team that was working on the problem, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to make this jump. Hmm. And even after, you know, short-lived four months, I made the jump and um, all the way till the acquisition of Napster, um, I was all in on building that community doing, uh, and, I, and I caught it at a really good high point where, it was, where we, we, we were doing, um, you know, Twitter spaces every single week. We were 30% month over month growth. Everybody kind of wanted to be, especially in this independent artist field, wanted to be a part of, hey, so I could just release a song, focus on fandom, doing more with less. 
Um, and that's what, that's what I feel like the value that I really drove was onboarding artists into this space that allowed them to oversee like, what is blockchain? Do I have to have a wallet? How do I set up a, like all these hard hoops that we've had to jump through to just focus on, okay, some, some of the projects or releases I can do in this avenue and I can find a way to build up a community within this space. And yeah, um, that, that was, you know, if we, if we want to put a pause there, that's, that's what drove me to mint songs. And, and that's what, um, really, really drove a lot of passion around just continually building those artist partnerships. I'm curious how you thought about growth, you know, in that, like those early days of onboarding artists into Web3, because it is like, of, of course, like, like a pretty stigmatized space. It still, still carries a lot of stigma. And I think there is, there is an aversion that, that people have, um, especially artists who have been like, you know, kind of fucked over by, you know, music tech, I guess, historically. And I mean, there's that, and there's also just kind of the natural friction of, of the technical, you know, kind of requirements that, that, that are necessary to operate in the space. So I'm curious how you were approaching growth, you know, as you joined Mint Songs. Well, I saw Sound at the time, they raised funding, but it was an invite only type of mm -hmm. environment at the time. And we play that to our benefit. So a lot of those artists that were building and building with community uh, were somewhat familiar with Web3. We're hopping in Web's uh, Twitter spaces to learn more just a little bit about what to do next. Um, well, one, I focused on bringing on a lot of people from Songlink that I worked with in the past, especially independent mm -hmm. artists. Makes sense. Two, every single interaction that I had on Twitter made sure that we hopped on a call, walked through the product. I thought the most important thing I could do at that time was hop on a call with them for 30 minutes, figure out where they were in their journey, how much money were they making per month, where were they building their business, and how could we provide value to them? And then get them on the release schedule, get them into mm -hmm. our platform in an easy way. And so at the same time of focusing on onboarding, I thought our engineer our engineering and product team did a really good job of making it easy for artists to be onboarded. And we built this reputation of being a friendly platform that welcomed artists into the space, did a lot of education around the space. And that's how we kind of built the launching point. Um, for me, focusing on those partnerships with independent artists that were somewhat of these like emerging music size between 50,000 to about 500,000 monthly listeners on Spotify were a lot of targets for me. Uh, I was getting pushback from a lot of the majors and some of the higher, higher up labels just on Web3. It was like, I just want to kind of see how this plays out. And so to me, that just made, okay, I have to prove it through doing releases with artists, um, that are driving, especially on the independent side. So just working hand in hand with Eric Johnson and Nikki Bean, who was our community manager on onboarding uh, workshops and doing like marketing releases and 
helping amplify every single release that was coming on our platform, then going back mm-hmm. to engine products and saying, hey, I think we need filtering. Hey, I think we need to make it easier for people to be onboarded in the space. We did this magic link where you could just sign up with an email and it made it mm-hmm. easier for you to join and build a profile. So um, focusing on growth was just like in this in-between of artist relations, community, marketing, and product, and then just trying to help drive the narrative between the two. And it worked. I mean, we saw the, you know, we we came in at the right time. We raised money at the right time. It was December 2021. So like at the beginning of that bull market, we rolled mm-hmm. that all the way to, to March. And we did a lot of fun experiments along the way. Like we did a partnership with, chill pill and we invited all artists that we were working with in la to uh record plant studios and we made a song and we minted the song and sold the song at the event um while also inviting artist partners and spotify and soundcloud and kind of people that were like peeking over the fence like what the hell is going on in this web3 music space so i I think focusing on that just week to week sprints of onboarding release, how can we amplify these releases? The success of releases will help drive the success of our business. And then sprinkling in these fun, different off the wall experiments to help us stand out from a, just a brand standpoint, um, I think was really beneficial for us. So I'm curious, you know, cause you were saying that, you know, a big part of, your initial experience, like, you know, working with Songlink and then afterwards, and then what, you know, drew you back into the industry was a lot of the relationships with artists that, that you'd built. And when the decision was made to, to sunset bit songs, what were the reactions of the artists that, that you had onboarded, in, you know, into the ecosystem and like, you know, yeah. what happened to your relationships at that point? Like, what the hell happened to my songs? Like, where's everything? (laughs) Where does everything go? Um, You know, we were really fortunate. We had a really strong team. Even looking back of working with a lot of teams from the agency front to starting businesses, that Mint Songs team was one of my favorite teams to date. And it it probably will be throughout my entire career. Um, We were all fortunate enough to get job offers. Almost our entire team within one to three weeks of that announcement of us sunsetting the platform. Um, The founders wanted to go kind of a different route and then that kind of led us to the acquisition. But, you know, Web3 Music is a very small community. So Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to um, kind of go into the Web2 space, go back with some streaming companies, or do I stay at Web3? And I had a few opportunities and I was really inspired by Arpeggi Labs, um, what Evan and James were doing at the time. I met them at uh, NFT NYC um, a few months prior to that. And I just thought they were really smart, like just how they approached building things. And um, I really love their story. I'm a, I'm a family guy. I'm somebody who's like, yeah, you should start a business with your family versus what everybody <laughs> else says. Um, 
and saw that like it was built by three brothers and tech and product driven and they were doing some really cool things on on-chain attribution with the doll and they had a you know they kind of had a need where they had a lot of product engine and sassy black was on the team leading the artist relations at the time but didn't have much on the marketing growth partnership side um so I, I saw myself just being able to have an opportunity to execute for them. And so I, that's why I joined uh, Arpeggi and that's why I stayed within Web3. And a lot of those relationships that I built in Songs, they then came over and worked with us at Arpeggi. It was a smooth transition. A lot of people were already familiar with the product already familiar with like remix competitions and things that we were doing at the time. And it was just so easy to get them to interact and be a part of the product because we built that trust together uh, up to that point. We spent a year together in Twitter space and, you know, in web three, a year in web three is like 15 years. So you feel like, you know, these people, you know, yeah. from talking to each other weekly on calls to Twitter space to then seeing each other at conferences, like you really felt a love and connection with a lot of people. And so I didn't want to give that up. But I knew that if I went to a company that was close enough around what we were building at Mid Songs, then it would be easy to transfer a lot of those partnerships over. And that's, that's really what happened. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and, you know, that bit definitely resonates. It's, you know, time just moves differently in this space. I'm curious how, as, you know, we moved into a bear market, if, if that affected your, you know, approach to growth at all in thinking about how to connect with people and how to talk about, you know, the offering at Arpeggi um, as well. Like, you know, how did that change as the market changed? Yeah, I think we all had to adjust and realize, hey, tracks that were uploaded on Catalog and Sound going for $11,000 in January 2022, those days are over. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, how a lot of artists came into Web3, they just wanted to adapt and be a part of emerging tech and find ways to build within their career. So staying in that mindset, when we hit bear market, a strong percentage of those artists adapted and left the market. Um, from our point, you know, it was a free platform that we built at Arpeggi, our DAW. So doing remix competitions, having fun, doubling down on community. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what you, everybody had to position themselves. They're doing a lot of free mints on sound. You've, sure you've seen everything that has happened within the bear market it's like mm -hmm. okay if we can't drive sales then we still drive community because one day we're going to be out of the bear market and who's going to have the most robust community and who's going to be able to then tap into some of those high points that they once had during the bull market um so it became like a, a quick shift to community and as we were building our Peggy labs the doll we then released kits. We saw an opportunity in the music licensing space, uh, especially to build a, a, a competitor to splice on chain. And 
you know, you can go to kits.io today. There's a bunch of sample packs in there uh, with, um, you know, we just released one yesterday with Wide Awake and, and um, Jamie Sound of Fractures and 70 other producers were part of that that pack and we did one with loners and we did one with TK. And so um, we were able to continuously tell uh, a new story in a different way with the release of kits. And just six weeks ago, we released kits AI that is um, not web three, it's off chain, but building uh, and releasing a product that allows people to create AI voices um, as well as being paid if they're on board as a licensed artist, which mm-hmm. brought all of our community in from Web3 to help launch this product. Um, we've been able to shift and chase after things that are working, drop things that are not working, focus on building a product that is disruptive, working with artists that believe in community and believe in what we've been building to this standpoint. And, um, you know, with Kits AI, it's, it's been our best growth product, best product that has had the highest level of growth to date in terms of users on the platform, monthly active, daily active, and, you know, still going back to driving value to those independent artists. There's artists last month that made more money from being onboarded in our voice library than they did from music NFTs last month. So um, that's always been the focus. And that's, you know, why I joined this team. It was uh, the speed and the ability to stay within sprints and keep focusing on the next thing to build, the next thing to build. We are not done. We can't be complacent. How can we keep adding value? Um, That's what has led us here today. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the AI voice model that, you know, that you built is super interesting. And I'm curious how that, um, you know, because like Holly Herndon and like Holly Plus and, and you know, the Grimes. DAO that she built around her voice. And then, yeah, of course, Grimes. It, it's like a, you know, it's a really interesting way of being proactive about trying to protect your voice um, with all of the uncertainty that, that is AI <laughs> and just people being able to steal, you know, your likeness. And not having that much control over it, so I'm curious if that you know has that narrative you know has that been part of your narrative as you talk you know to artists about this and in in you know has that resonated with them? Yeah, that has been part of our narrative, and that's why we built the person uh, personal until approved license. So artists uh, that are onboarded into our voice library they wanted to get ahead of the AI space and say, hey, if somebody uses my voice, uh, they can do it on social for fun. But if they actually use my voice and they wanna distribute this and commercialize this on all streaming platforms, then I wanna be the one that approves those tracks and approves those songs to be able to to be used. Um, If that's on a you know, Rio Kragen AI page, or if that's on their own original Spotify page, they just wanted to be ahead of it. And so that's Mm -hmm. been part of our narrative is how can we build rails that we see an opportunity to be 
an, an advantage um, and a support system for artists to take on AI in a way that they're not afraid. And they're like, my career is over. There's an AI of me, like I'm done. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why we built the platform. I think in a lot of ways of offering that licensed voice. So you're paying $10 per month. All the sales are going to the artist based on usage as well as the artists are setting the royalties. So if I make a track with your voice, I can submit it. If it's approved, use the royalties based on what the artist set. And it just leaves it in the artist's hands where mm-hmm. they can still align with emerging technology and be a part of it, but they control their likeness. And I think that's, we see a lot of companies um, have pop up and have, have been taken down and we saw the Drake, you know, and the Kanye songs that were created. Mm -hmm. Um, And that gave us all this knowledge and education to say, okay, with the relationships that we built to this standpoint, how can we be artists forward in this approach? And so I just commend our team of, of not just chasing what works, but chasing a way of, of something that can be viable for the music industry. So if you're, you know, a 15 year old kid and you just want to make SpongeBob voice models, you can come to our platform and do that today um, for free and have fun with that and share that on socials. And that's great. Um, But if you're an artist and you want to create a licensed voice and have something that you can send to A&R teams and other producers and use it as a way to expand your current business and drive more revenue to your to your brand, um, you can do that. And you can do that on kits. So that really excites me. Um, I felt like we were going through the bear market and the feels of that uh, in the spring. And this has just been, uh, Kits AI has been such a rejuvenation of, of energy within our team, within the product that we're building, within the community that we're growing. Um, and it feels like we're actually doing, you know, we're really doing a lot of things that are, that are right for independent artists in the space. Mm, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, if you can speak at all, like to the roadmap coming up of like, you know, I know it's kind of split across at, the, at this point kits and then you have the DAW as well. Uh, yeah. You know, what's something else that you guys talk about internally that, you know, that you're really excited about? Like if, if you had, you know, the resources to build the time, the market was in the right place, whatever. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? If you can speak about it at all. I think building more tools for the Kits AI product. Um, so we built like a YouTube and TikTok conversion feature, which allows people to be able to make their voices into a YouTube uh, video immediately as well as TikTok. And I think from the artist licensing side and the voice licensing side, it's being able to land a distribution partner that we can go from zero to hundred percent of like, come to our platform, make a voice model, people that use it, you'll see the sales from that as well as songs that are submitted. We have a distribution partner for you to use, or you can use one that like, you know, if you're already using DistroKid or a platform like that to release your music, we can still do that. But just giving them that zero to 100% experience and building out use cases 
that the music industry is really looking forward to uh, applying to their label, applying to, you know, if it's a management company, their artist roster. And so I'm just looking forward to building up more use cases to show like, this isn't just for people to make SpongeBob voices. This is something that can be applied in a real way to the music industry. Um, and during that time, we're going to have a lot of lessons learned on what's working, what's not working, and applying new products based on the feedback that we're getting from our users. So that's another thing that I think we're, we're, we do a really good job of being in the pocket of seeing what's working, what's not working, and applying that to the next sprint. Yeah, amazing. And I think I saw somewhere that you, uh, you know, because I know you mentioned that there were people reaching out to you, you know, way back when about being a manager for them and, and, and yeah. you know, your response is, I don't know anything. <laughs> so at that point, now, you know, you obviously do know a lot. And I think I saw that you're, you're managing Heno at this point, right? Yeah. So somebody um, at Mid Songs that I really connected to at the time was Heno. Um, I was just really inspired by the his story, his ability to think so deep around a release or uh, a cover or a strategy. Um, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of artists and some artists kind of just go through that checklist of this is what I need for a release. Heno is somebody that has always thought so deeply about everything that he does and everything matters and all this will connect. So I was really inspired by what he was just doing. He has a Web2 manager who has helped him with landing partners and placements and deals on the Web2 side. But he came to me after uh, the mid-songs, actually right when the first person to call me, when uh, the news dropped that uh, Mid Songs was uh, sunsetting the platform, uh, he called me and was like, do you want to be my manager on the Web3 side? Can you help me? Can you be like a, a growth advisor? And like, and it was just, it was a funny moment because we've had so many uh, long calls about everything that he's doing. It was the first time that we've kind of talked about it in this type of light. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move on and I'm going to still do some advising stuff with Carnegie Mellon. I'm going to uh, work with Arpeggi Labs. But like one really great thing that I feel like I wanted to get closer to was that artist journey and being able to be somewhat of an advisor manager for Heno on the Web3 side um, was a, an opportunity that I didn't want to pass up. And we've been able to do some really cool things. Um, he has a, a video game that's going to be dropping that I'm really excited for people to see. He's still doing the work um, on the Web3 side and building with those collectors. So we're, we're still inspired by everything that he's building on the Web3 side in the space. And um, yeah, so it started out as very much of a close friendship that turned into, um, you know, how can I help you, Heno? How can I help you? This There's a person I like just trying to help connect the dots for him is is mm -hmm. more of uh, what I've been able to do. Cool. Yeah, no, Heno's a very thoughtful dude. Uh, he's got a lot of you know, inspiring thoughts and ideas and the way he frames things is, uh, is, is cool. 
Um, yeah, he was one of the early guests on this podcast, actually. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a world in which your future is like, could be more dedicated to doing something like that, like being a manager for a bunch of different, you know, Web3 artists in the space, helping connect the dots and having that be your full time thing? I don't think so. I think we're too early at the stage of, I don't know. I, there's something about like guys like Heno and people that are kind of building up their own career. I just want to like help and not ask for anything and support. Um, I really love just this role of um, kind of being a mentor an advisor in some space, been able to do it with small businesses, I've been able to do it with brands, now being able to do it with some artists. I don't I don't think my I think one day I'll I'll probably focus in on just doing advising, investing in these fun little like mentor type projects. But mm -hmm. I don't know if me being an artist manager is like in the cards for me. Um mm. And I could be wrong. I could come back to you in like six months, but like, hey, by the way, I just launched a company. And like, <laughs> yeah. um, it's just, I'm just not there yet. It's not that I'm like not sold on the job that needs to be done to be successful. I just don't, I don't think I have enough context to the industry to do this full time. I think I can, I can build a lot of relationships on the Web3 side. I can connect dots between Web2, Web3. I think I actually think I could do the job of a, of a manager, but <laughs> you're I don't, talking yourself into it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I, 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 right now, I'm just I really love what we're building at Kids, focusing on um, more of a music tech product with a team, and I, I'm just really enjoying that. Where um, artists are more just. I think just like fun projects that I think I can add value to. And I kind of just leave it at that. Yeah. Cool. I love that. It seems like a good place to kind of start to wrap up. Um, but yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about baseball a little bit, because it's something that I hardly ever get to talk about in this podcast. Um, so I assume you're a Pirates fan. <laughs> I I am I have a lot of frustrations with how they run their business, but uh, <laughs> I've always been, yeah, I was a pitcher my whole life. I've always loved the Pirates. Um, yeah, it's just been something that's been part of me since I was like three years old. I think it was the first time I played on a baseball team and uh, played my entire life. And I've actually kind of taken a break from watching baseball since college because I hurt my shoulder, didn't end well. My dream originally was to go to the pros and then just be a coach and like be in baseball forever. And just recently, I've actually come back to it. I'm doing long tossing with like younger kids. It's a, they like the high school field at night. I'm, I've thrown a few bullpens. Nice. Um, <laughs> so like I'm, I'm actually just starting to come around and I, I, I recently had a son uh, who's 11 months old now and we, I've taken him to five pirate games this summer. Um, 
Cool. So I'm like, I'm, I'm getting back into the baseball mode, but yeah, yes, it has been such a love of mine. Yeah. I was saying, I started about the same age. I was a pitcher, not a Pirates fan, I was a Twins fan, but, uh, you know, I think we can probably commiserate over a lot of, uh, you know, frustrations <laughs> with our franchises. <laughs> I love the tw- Tory Hunter, Kirby Puckett. Yeah. Uh, so many, so many good players in the Twins organization. Totally. Anyways, for those people listening who are here for the music and the Web3, thanks for indulging <laughs> that, you know, couple minutes of baseball. Appreciate it. Part two will be about baseball. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the next podcast. It's about baseball and Web3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, on chain baseball. On chain uh, hitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Um, Cool. All right. So one more question for you. Uh, something I ask everybody at the end of these. You're going to a desert island. You get to bring three albums with you. What are they? Jeez. It's got to be Ready to Die, Romantic. Maybe Mace's first album, just because that's like, or you know what? It's swimming. I'm Mac Miller. I've listened to that so much. I love that album. Mm. So I would say Ready to Die, Illmatic, Swimming. Cool. Oh, yeah, cool. That was quick. I'm just such a rap hip hop head. I could listen to it all day, work, cut my grass, do <laughs> do everything uh, to hip hop. So yeah, that's what I'd be doing. Cool. And uh, where's the best place for people listening to, you know, to follow you, to get involved with any of the work or projects that, you know, that you're part of? Yeah. Um, unlike some people that use multiple names for socials and uh, <laughs> everything, I uh, just Nick Marriage across the board, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Instagram's more annoying pictures of Misha and my son. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, which I've been somewhat not active, but used to really dive deep into how I thought about the music industry and Web3 and probably something I'll pick up with soon. Um, and then LinkedIn's more of a personal business uh, standpoint. But yeah, feel free to reach out. Always open cool. to having conversations. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much, Nick. I've enjoyed this conversation and uh, you know, appreciate your time and your energy. You know, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, that's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media, and you can visit us at decentral.io, and remember, only you can prevent and fend off Big Brother. <laughs>